And welcome again to another episode of Coffee with Jesus. One of the things each and every single one of us understand is that in this life we will have issues, right? And one of the big things that differentiates successful people or happy people is how we navigate those issues. And this is an important question and one I think deserves a lot of time and meditation and and, and discussion, how do we navigate the issues of life? And it's important that we discuss it, but today I wanna to offer a few thoughts on this idea. And so today's session is called, Not Everything is a Nail. If you're new to our podcast, welcome. If you are one of our regulars, thank you so much again for tuning in. As far as possible, we will release this podcast every single week on a Tuesday. And the point of this podcast is for us to grab a cup of coffee or tea or just something to drink, or perhaps you can listen to it on your way to school or work or listen to it as you gym. But the whole point is that we spend 10 to 15 minutes together and just speaking about something, anything that may help us become more like Jesus help us to reflect his glory more, help us to allow him to transform us from the inside out that little bit more. So if you have not yet done it, please can I ask you, subscribe to this podcast on whichever platform you are on so that we can let you know each week when it comes out and let's dive into today's session. As I mentioned, today I wanna to speak on a, on a few minutes about how do we navigate the issues of life and I wanna look at it specifically from a leadership capacity. Um, and I want to remind each and every single one of us, as we follow in the footsteps of Jesus, the greatest leader who ever lived, we all become greater and greater leaders. We are not on this planet just to go through the motions. We are called to lead and influence other people. We raise leaders who raise leaders. And so I want to ask us again, how as a leader are we navigating the issues of life? Ever heard that saying that if all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail? This is true for us in so many ways as leaders. And if I can paraphrase that quote a little bit, if we think we are hammers, every issue we face looks like a nail. Or perhaps here's some other ways of thinking about it. If we think we are victims, every issue looks like an attack. If I think I'm superior, every issue looks like a waste of my time. If we think we are perfect, every issue looks like a potential failure. If we think we are God, every issue looks like rebellion. If we are competitive, every issue becomes something we have to win. If we are complainers, every issue becomes another thing to tweet about. And if we think we are in a race, every issue becomes a hurdle to jump over just to get to the finish line. All of these, all, all of these simply mean how we see ourselves often determines how we approach any and every issue that presents itself. Because, and, and this is important. We see every issue that comes along our path through the lens of how we see ourselves. Who you see in the mirror will directly determine how you see the issues in your life. Without realizing it, we often engage with issues from the standpoint of what does this say about me? It takes a lot of emotional and leadership maturity to disconnect an issue in front of us with the person we see in the mirror. And often we engage with issues from the place of identity rather than simple mature leadership. And so today I want to give us a couple of ideas on how to deal with this. How do we navigate this? How do we separate identity from the issue? And I want to dive into Nehemiah 13 and pick out a few verses just to help us understand this. The context of this chapter is that the walls have just been rebuilt. And now the people are going through a cultural reformation. They are changing how they live after they've rebuilt the walls around their city. 
And before I get into chapter 13, we need to understand that, that what I've just mentioned is significant. There's a connection between rebuilding and reforming. When there is a need for reformation or a revival or an awakening, God often sends a rebuilder to rebuild the walls first. Often before there is an awakening, a reformation, a revival, something has to be rebuilt by someone. I just think of our own nation at the moment and how much we need a Nehemiah in our, in our infrastructure and in our industry. We need a Nehemiah to come and rebuild that which has brought disgrace upon our nation. This connection and combination is, is something we sometimes miss out because we fall into one of two categories, right? We sometimes think that the wall is all there is. We, we, we miss the combination between reformation and rebuilding because we think all I need to do is rebuild. And so after we rebuild what needs to be rebuilt, we stop there. And in stopping there, we stop short of reformation. God is looking to bring something amazing, an awakening or a revival, and he's trying to rebuild something in order to be the platform to do that, but we stop at the rebuilding. We stop at the platform. We have a view that is often a little bit too practical and not spiritual enough. The other category then is the opposite. Almost we are too spiritual and not practical enough. We disregard the walls because we are so focused on the Reformation. But here is the beauty of this picture, right? Once the walls were rebuilt, there was a safe space for Reformation to take place in. Each of us listening to this right now, I, I know every single person, there is an area in your life or there is an area in your world that you would love to see Reformation take place. That You would love to see a change of heart of people. You would love to see a change of the situation. But what if God is calling you to start that Reformation by rebuilding something? Perhaps it's rebuilding a relationship or relationships. Maybe it's rebuilding a practice that has fallen by the wayside, like tithing or quiet times, reading the Bible. Maybe it's rebuilding a thought pattern or returning to your first love. The rebuilding might seem so simple and not very important, but what if rebuilding creates the safe space God needs to birth your reformation in? Secondly, don't stop after that thing is rebuilt. Keep going. See the reformation, see the revival, see the awakening that God wants to do in people's hearts and lives. Don't stop just at the rebuilding. That was just a, a side note for free. Anyway, Nehemiah chapter 13, he's come back from the king he served to revisit the city of Jerusalem, see how everything's going. Then in Nehemiah 13, 10 to 13, it says this, I also learned that the portions assigned to the Levites had not been given to them and that all the Levites and musicians responsible for the service had gone back to their own fields. So I rebuked the officials and asked them, why is the house of God neglected? Then I called them together, stationed them at their posts. All of Judah brought the tithes of grain, new wine, and olive oil into the storerooms. I put Shelemiah the priest, Zadok the scribe, and a Levite named Padiah in charge of the storerooms and made Hanan, son of Zakur, son of Matania, their assistant, because they were considered trustworthy. They were made responsible for distributing the supplies to their fellow Levites. One of the issues he found when he returned, one of the issues he had to deal with in terms of reformation is that the Levites had been neglected. And in order to survive, these Levites had had to leave the temple. And so the temple had suffered, worship had suffered. The first issue was at its foundation, a financial issue, a tithing issue. Nehemiah immediately rebukes the officials and sets people in place to deal with the issue. This issue, in verse 10, Nehemiah deals through delegation. He delegates the issue to people who were trustworthy, and he makes them responsible for the specific issue. Now, again, this wasn't just a, 
uh, a casual delegation. He found people who were trustworthy. And we know that delegation works best in a delegation process. It's not just throwing people in the deep end. You have to understand the process of delegation. But essentially what I want us to take away from this passage is that Nehemiah deals with the issue of tithing through delegation. Second thing we see is that the Sabbath was being profaned. People had gone back to the habit of buying and selling things on the Sabbath. They were allowing vendors to come into the, the, the city and for them to do business as usual on the Sabbath. And so in verse 19, we see what Nehemiah does. When evening shadows fell on the gates of Jerusalem before the Sabbath, I ordered the doors to be shut and not opened until the Sabbath was over. I stationed some of my own men at the gates so that no load could be brought in on the Sabbath day. This time, to alleviate the problem, Nehemiah establishes a process to remove the possibility of the issue carrying on. There's also an element of delegation, but essentially this issue is met with a process. Because the people were struggling to keep the Sabbath, Nehemiah places a process in place to help the people avoid the temptation of engaging with vendors outside the city. So our first two issues, tithing and Sabbath, are met with delegation and process. Then lastly, we see the people again engaged with pagan nations all around them. They had adopted the pagan culture through marriage and even through their language and vocabulary. And Nehemiah pulls his hair out because, as he mentions, this is exactly what hurt King Solomon. You can read it in chapter 13. He goes, even King Solomon, the wisest man in their history, had fallen foul to this issue. He sees a pattern of generational obedience here, and so this is what he does. Verse 25, still in chapter 13. And I confronted them and cursed them and beat some of them and pulled out their hair. And I made them take an oath in the name of God saying, you shall not give your daughters to their sons or take their daughters for your sons or for yourselves. Where the first issue was met through delegation, the second one through process, this one is met with hands-on intervention. He gets his hands dirty. He throws his full self into this issue. He doesn't give this to other people. He doesn't allow it to be dealt with with the process. This one he deals with personally. And if I'm honest, it feels a little bit like a mob movie. It gets violent. Now, the reason I unpack these three for you is because Nehemiah was confronted with three separate problems. Each involved people doing something against God's law, but also against God's character. These three things, think about it. These are foundational biblical teachings, tithing, Sabbath, and marriage. Tithing, Sabbath, and marriage. Each involved people doing something against God's law. Each was an example of rebellion and a movement away from God's will. And yet each one got a unique solution from Nehemiah. The Sabbath, tithing, and marriage to pagans are all very serious issues in Scripture. And this is not the kind of message where we classify and say, if it's this kind of issue, you delegate. If it's this kind of issue, you process. We're not trying to create a hierarchy because each of these three things were incredibly important. They were super important. However, Nehemiah didn't treat them the same. He understood that each issue needed a nuanced approach. It's again interesting to see how these three issues continue to be areas of contention today. People still struggle with money issues. They still tr struggle to rest, and they still struggle on how to not get sucked in by culture, how to keep their marriages pure and holy. Each are profoundly serious, and God speaks to each of them throughout Scripture. However, again, Nehemiah treats each uniquely. In other words, he didn't see every issue as a nail. He didn't see every issue as an obstacle. He didn't see every issue as a failure or a personal attack. He allowed the issue in front of him to be solved by a unique approach, and that's what I want to point out today. What in your life, what issue right now needs delegation? What needs process? And what needs your hands-on personal intervention? 
this year, each of us are going to face challenges. I can promise you that. Each of us are going to go through things that will be unexpected, disappointing, and even hurtful. But each issue is not the same. Some things need to be delegated. Some things need to be dealt with through a process. And some things need hands-on attention. Now, I, I get this, right? Depending on our personality and background, each of us have a tendency to do one of three more than the others. One of these will be our go-to. However, we need to be proficient at all three because here's the danger, right? If your default is delegation, we will tend to miss out on divine appointments because we delegate everything. Instead of having face-to-face -face conversations, we delegate every meeting. If our default is to create processes, we will tend to have followers, but we will never raise leaders because we trust processes more than we trust people. If our default is to engage, to get all in, if that's our default, we will tend to become exhausted because everything needs my personal touch. And please, let me just say this. This is not supposed to be an attack on anyone because I know we struggle. We, 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 we are not always good at all of these. But I'm hoping we can help one another here. In order to do what I want, in, in, order, in order to get to where I want to go to today, I want to help us with some questions. And each of these questions are designed to help you figure out, is this something I should delegate? Is this something that needs a process? Or is this something that needs my personal engagement? And so here's a couple of questions. And at the end of it, we'll pray and ask God to help us here. Number one, is this something only I can solve? If this issue is, is solvable by someone else, perhaps it's a delegation. Number two, is this something someone else could do 80% as well as I can? Often what we do is we wait for someone to be able to do what we are doing at the same level that we are doing it, but perhaps all it needs is someone who's 80% as proficient as we, as, as we are in order for us to delegate it. Number three, is this something that needs an ongoing process to help manage it? Perhaps you're weary because you keep tackling the same issue personally that could be managed through a process. And so you're tired, you're worn out because you keep getting your hands dirty on something that simply needs an ongoing process. Number four, if I feel obligated to engage, why do I feel that way? If there's guilt or whatever the case is, why do you feel that way about that thing? Next question. Is this something I have a history of avoiding through delegation or process? If you have a history of delegation and process to a specific issue, it might be revealing a fear or an insecurity and God's calling you to engage with something that you would naturally avoid. Second last one, is this something someone else could win at? Perhaps there's a real simple thing in front of you and, and you know you could you know deal with it in five, 10 minutes, but just by handing it over, it might take longer, but it could create a win for someone else. And then lastly, or perhaps this should be the first question, what is the Holy Spirit saying? Is he calling you to delegate? Is he calling you to create a process? Or is he calling you to get involved? My prayer for us this week is that we would not see everything as a nail. We are not just a hammer. We are not victims. We are not just arrogant. We are not just competitive or complainers. This might be part of who we are, but not everything has to be defined by how we see ourselves. There are nuances in every issue that comes against us. And so I want to encourage you, don't see everything as a nail. Like Nehemiah, let's allow the issue in front of us to speak to us so that we can come with creative, imaginative solutions, whether through delegation, through process or engagement. I pray that you would have the wisdom on how to handle the issues that come against you this week, this year, and for the rest of your life. Man, I pray this has helped and blessed you. And uh, we will see you again, same time, same place, next week. God bless everyone.